Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Molly Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. All right. So um, you might be thinking, okay, those are the people that are in charge around here. Uh, We're getting a little sense of what's going to happen with Kevin and Molly, but you might wonder, well, what should I expect over these next three months? Like, what what could I expect around here? Is this summer vacation? Are we going into summer vacation mode? Us too? Like, hey, could we all just kind of take a big break this summer? Maybe you're just wondering, like, you know, does it does it matter if I if I show up? Are we going real casual mode around here? And as I was thinking about how I would answer those questions for you. It reminded me of when Kevin and I would occasionally have an opportunity to go away when our kids were little. Occasionally we'd have an opportunity to go celebrate an anniversary and we would pack up our suitcases and we would uh, and have our sister or our parents come and stay at the house to take over. And before I would go, I would spend the week running up to this vacation, this time away, on a Word document, typing up pages and pages of instructions. I would think through, like, how is life going to go for these kids, like, hour by hour? And I would leave these instructions for whoever was taking over, and it would be like, what time the kids needed to get up? And who needed that second shake? Like, I'm serious, get up out of bed, right? Like, who, uh, what went in the lunch boxes? Besides, no, it's not just goldfish and fruit roll-ups, right? What goes in the lunch boxes? Who need the uniform packed in the extra water bottle? And what would be expectations after school, right? Because I know when I was a kid, I know when I had a babysitter, I, I used this line all the time. My mom lets me dot, 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 right? My mom lets me eat a whole sleeve of Oreos, right? Like my mom lets me go to bed in front of the TV. And I was just, I know, I know it's in a kid's heart. And so I would think through like hour by hour, like, okay, what are these expectations? How to do bedtime? Like, yes, we do brush teeth around here, right? And I wonder, have you ever written this kind of letter? The before I go, the before while I'm away letter. Maybe if you're leaving your job to someone for for a while, or maybe your pet while you go to summer camp. You, have, you, you think through what you really want is you want their life to continue on as it would if you were still around, as you were still in charge. You would leave these reminders and instructions because your hope is that you would do the same with or without us around here. And so that's what I was thinking about as I was thinking about what I wanted to say before we went. And I was, I was sitting down to, to write this note to you all. I had to stop and pause and ask myself, well, actually, who gets to say? Like, who actually gets to set these expectations and hopes and instructions for how things should go around here, right? Like, what source of input really matters? And so I headed to the scripture, and I started in the, the first place that I saw Jesus use the word church, right? That word church, the first place. And it's in Matthew 16, 18, and this is what Jesus says. He's standing in front of Peter, and he says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is what Jesus says, I will build my church. And in there, I saw two things. I saw the first thing is that Jesus is the builder, right? He's saying, I'm building, this is mine, and and the church is his. It's his church. 
And so I started to think about, well, it, all, then the, the natural flow is, and we simply follow the instructions of the builder, the one who is the builder. We just get to follow along what he is saying for his church. Paul writes this in Ephesians 1.22. He says this about Jesus. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Or Colossians 1.18. And he is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the head over everything for the church. And Jesus, as the head, has clear desires and instructions for his body. Right? Think about it for a second. The head gets to direct the body parts, how to function, how to live, how to move, what we're doing today. I mean, could you, could you imagine if your hand, you know, was like, gets to call, like, I, I'm on my own, do my own thing, deciding what we're doing today, right? Like, I've seen this in action once we had all the youth group over to our house in our early days, and we played a game called I scream, you scream, we all scream. No, 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 that's, that's not it. It's actually, I can't see my ice cream. It's I scream, you scream, I can't see my ice cream. And you had, uh, we set out along our countertop these huge sundaes, like everything on the ice cream, the hot fudge, sprinkles, whipped cream, everything, and set them along the island. And we had everyone get into partners, and they had pairs. And one person stood in front of this huge sundae, and someone stood behind them. And the person in front had to put their hands behind their back. And you guys know what this is like, right? The second person behind them put their hands through, and they were the hands. But then the kicker is both of them are blindfolded. Both of them are blindfolded. And the person behind, the goal was to get as much, get that bowl emptied in a couple minutes. as possible. as a race. How much ice cream could you get down the person in front of you being blindfolded? And again, it's, it's, it was hilarious. It was a mess. Why? Because the hands, the arms are operating independently of the head, right? There was no communication happening back and forth. Well, our church, this body, we're going to stay connected to the head. We're going to follow God's plans and expectations and designs and desires for his body that we're just a part of. Whether Molly and Kevin are here or there or on sabbatical or behind the pulpit, it means that God calls the shots. And the expectations that he has and the instructions he has in place, they're going to happen whether or not we're here or someone else is, is uh, taking the lead. And so what I want to do today is just this. I want to dig deeper into two of these expectations or instructions that the builder has for his church, that the head has for his body. And I want to look at these as just two expectations. And then I want us to ask, what adjustments would I make in my life to live according to these expectations. Okay, simple enough. What, expe- what do I need to do? What adjustments might I make to live according to the builder's design that the head is directing? So here we go. I just have two, and the first one is this. Church is awesome. Say awesome. <laughs> awesome. Church is awesome. Okay, let's head back to the scriptures here, and this is what Paul writes in Ephesians 5. By the way, how do we feel about it when pastors ask you to repeat something? Like, okay, okay. We're, sometimes I'm like, like, that's weird. But anyways, it works, right? Okay. Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. And he goes on to say, for no one ever hated his own flesh 
nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. So right here in the middle of Paul's instructions for husbands and wives, he starts giving an example, and he talks about this. He says, just as Christ loved the church. This example of how much Jesus loved the church. And he's using some powerful examples here. He's using a powerful statement that Jesus loved the church so much that he gave himself up for her, that he laid down his life. Like this is a picture. You want to know if how powerful love is. Lay down your life for the church. This is how much he cared about the church. And then he goes on to describe Jesus's care. And he says this, nourishes and cherishes it. Nourishes it and cherishes it like you would care for your own body. Like you would care for your own eyes or your own arms or your own legs. Um, think about for a second, like uh, this example, how much care do we give to our physical bodies, right? Like if, if something's a little off, like we give it a lot of attention. We, we Google it. Like what could this be? And you know, like we ice things and we stretch and we take uh, supplements, uh, supplements, like my cabinet, I'm I like out of, out of control, my supplements, right? Cause this might help this, my digestion and this might help my sleep and this might take care of this little bit of inflammation. Like think about how we care for our bodies, how in tune we are and how on top of it we are. We nourish and we cherish. Why? Because our body is important to us. Our organs are important to us. These scriptures that we see here, they're all about value, aren't they? They're all about value. Jesus cares deeply about the church. How do we feel about the church? What do I think about it? Do I think about it the same way that Jesus does, as God does or is it a place that we casually attend? Take it or leave it, depending on the season, depending on my needs for it, depending on how I'm, I'm feeling. And listen, I'm putting myself in here too. I am doing the work in my heart too, because just because this is my job doesn't mean that I carry the value in my heart as Jesus does, right? Just because maybe the church gives us purpose or maybe it gives us belonging or it gives us so we feel better about ourselves. Guys, we got to get back into like, is my heart in it the way Jesus's heart is in it? Do I care about it like he does? Would you use the same description that Jesus does? When you think about your relationship to church, do the words nourish and cherish make it into the conversation? And maybe it's not those words, but you get the feeling behind it, right? Like, is it so important to me? Like, my arm is important to me. Like, I care for my body. Do I love it, too? Do I love it, too? And maybe you're like, that's just Jesus. He cares so deeply, but that's just Jesus. Well, okay, hold on, hold on. Let's take a look at the first way of being for the first church. And let's just see if this carries through. I'm going to take you to Acts 2.42. And this is, again, this very first church. After Jesus um, sent them into the world, this is what we read about the church. Okay, here we go. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food 
food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So when I see this first church, this word that's used to describe their relationship to the church, it's right there in that first, first verse. It says devoted. Devoted. I think this is the key word. If I was going to bold a word about this church, it's devoted. Devoted. You know this word, right? Like, he's a devoted husband. Um, I am I, devoted to the gym or my workouts. I am devoted to a cause, right? Maybe we've said in the past, like, I quit my archery so I could devote more time to my origami passion, you know, something like that. Devoted, focused, loyal, committed. So here's the church, these components. If Aaron, you could put the 242 back up. These are the components of the church. They had the teaching of the word. They had being together around a meal, fellowship. They had prayer. They had communion. They, they were, these were the, the, the pieces of the church. But I think that the key part here, again, it wasn't that there was just these components. The key part to all of this, this is that they were devoted to them. Devoted to them. And look what comes next. After this concept of what they devoted themselves to, and it says, and awe came upon every soul. Awe came upon every soul. And there's signs and there's wonders and there's salvation. And there is like this gathering in, unstoppable gathering in. But here's what happens, guys. Awe came upon every soul because I believe every soul was primed because of devotion. They were primed for awe because of the way they were devoted, the way they were committed. They were all in. So here is the marketing strategy for this first church. Get people together who are devoted to church the way Jesus loves the church. Where people can lay aside differences and they can show up with, with open hearts to like wash each other's feet. They can show up in unity around the word and around meals and around caring for each other. That they would nourish it like they would their own body. Show up together in one place. Get these people together. Now here's the response of everyone watching. Awe. Awe. That's an attractional model of church right there. I mean, people are amazed at it. The reaction all over the place is this like, wow, wow, church, wow, right? Devotion, then awe. Do you see this? Devotion, then awe. In our day and age, guys, we have it the other way around. First, make me awe. First, awe me, and then I might be devoted. This is the world we live in. Think about TikTok for a second, right? Like, Hold my interest, and I'll follow you. Give me a helpful idea. Show me how to organize my pantry, and I'll be back. I'll be back again in about an hour, right? Like, give me something funny to watch. Give me something to engage, entertain me. Help, you know, lift my spirits for a minute, right? Give me something that would earn my interest, and then I'll be devoted to you. And I believe that this expectation has worked its way into the church. I'm talking about the big church here, okay, guys? All of the church in our day and age. That people are like, prove to me that 90 minutes is worth my time, and I'll come. I'll be back, right? Make it good, and I'll join in. If you provide worship that moves me, I'll come back. If you provide the right groups... then I'll come. I'll join in. If your sermons are engaging and interesting and can hold my attention, if the people are friendly, then I'll join in. 
This is the, the way that we have, the, the terms that we have all agreed to. Guys, and I have agreed to these terms. In my heart, this is what I thought you wanted. This is what I start aiming my, my expectations towards, right? Like, I've heard these terms, and I've been like, here, let me set these before you, because I didn't think that devotion would work. I didn't think that of this of you. I didn't have this expectation of you. I did what Wendy Simon has always told me not to do. Don't say no for them. I said no for you. I've thought that I have to actually make it interesting and engaging and have all the right strategy and all the right vision and then you would come in, right? I'm part of the problem here. I'm the problem. It's me, right? Taylor Swift, I'm the problem. It's me. If I can just give you strategies and the right groups and if there can be people like you and if I can just get all these pieces in place, if I am constantly in a fix-it mode, if I can figure it out for you. And I'm repenting of that today. I'm sorry that I didn't expect more of you. I'm sorry that I didn't go to this word and say, no, these are people who will be devoted because this is the way God set it up in his word. Let me follow the instructions. Can we start with our own attitude, our own thinking, our own value of the church? God, help us to care about the church like you do. Help us to see it like you do. That is a cry of my heart for us as a people today. So here's what I'm asking of you, just to get really clear. Will you come with me into the word and will you re-examine your opinions and perspective in your heart towards the church? Because what I see is Jesus loves the church. And he just wants someone to love it, too. He's like this daddy who, you know, when, when, you, when you are having, handing your kids into someone's care, don't you just want that person? Will you just love my kids? Will you love them? Will you see the gold in them and pull it out? Like, that's what we want of our teachers and our caregivers. And, you know, like, this is what Jesus is asking. Will you just love it, too? Will you love it the way I love it? Who will stand up and put their hand up? And I will. I'll love it the way you love it, Jesus. So here's my ask. Will you invest your interest in the church based on God's interest in the church? Will you give me six months? Will you give me six months of devotion, of devoted? Will you value the church according to God's value? Will you pursue devotion to the church first? So maybe a simple swap is instead of asking, did I like church today? Or is church relevant anymore? Like, this is a big question, right? Is church relevant anymore? Can we just start praying, God, will you help me to cherish the church? Will you help me to love the church? What if I lived devoted like the Acts 2.42? What would that look like in my life? What would it look like if I was devoted? Here's what I think. It wouldn't matter who's preaching. It wouldn't matter who's leading worship. It wouldn't matter if there were a few people in this room or if it was standing room only in my devotion, if I guard my devotion, I guard the value of it, I'm here. I'm here. I am committed. And once you do, guys, I think you will find that church is awesome. That is awesome. That God will come through with the awesome part. We all want to be a part of something awesome, don't we? We do. We want to be a part of something awesome. We get awesome when we love what he loves. Okay? Okay. That's the first expectation. Thank you, honey. Just so you know, I have struggled with this word. I have struggled with this word. And the cry of my heart is that it would come from a pure heart. And you guys would know that my heart is really pure. And, and I'm, I'm really careful to not be 
legalistic or harsh with people. And so I just hope, I just want you guys to know my, my heart. I, I do. I love the church and I love you guys and I'm for you. And I believe God has more for us. Okay. All right. All right. Let's go to number two. All right. You ready for number two? Don't go to church. Don't go to church. I don't believe that you were designed for or that God expects you just to go to church. I believe you are active building material. Okay, let me break this down for you. This is what Paul said in Ephesians 4. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. We see in the scripture that God equipped who? The people. That God equipped the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That the people in his body are the main players, right? That the first group of people, that they were actually given, they were given so that they could equip the people, right? The people are the key to the ministry. That means church members came with an expectation that they were the ones who were going to use their equipment, right? That's what you do when you're equipped. You use your equipment to build up the kingdom, to make disciples, to preach good news, to take care of the, the widows, to come and serve each other, to carry the, the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. Here's more on this equipping. Paul wrote this to the church in, in Corinth and how they should operate. And he said this, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom and to another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are equipped by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Okay, so here's what this is saying. Everyone, every person has been given a supernatural ability. Paul calls them manifestations of the spirit. I know, big word, right? But manifestation just means to make visible, to make visible. So what this is saying is that each person, everyone, each person has a unique expression of God that can be seen in their life. Like that is amazing. And when I see this and I see all the variety of, of gifts that God gave to the church, it's so clear that church saints, you are vitally important to the building that God is doing. That God is doing. Peter, um, this is what we get, we read in First Peter 2 5. He says, And you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. And then um, Paul put this, put this together. In him also you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Here's what the scripture is saying. You are a building block of the church. You are. You are a living stone fit together to build a spiritual house for who? For God. Who is the church for? For God. What? Like for his presence, for his glory. That means we all come together. Like you think about living stone. You're building a house, right? I'm a living stone and I'm putting, I'm fitting together. We bring our building material together close by and God comes. God shows up. It's his dwelling place for his glory. 
So who is the church for? Who is worship for? What's the goal of the church? Who's the focal point? God's presence. It's a building for God, not for us. Not for us. It's simply a place where God's spirit wants to somehow show up on earth in midst of just humans coming together with our living stoniness and building something that he says, I see right there, I'm going to come and live and stay a house for him. And so, again, with gentleness and, and grace, because some of you need to stay home and, and can't tune in except for through YouTube because of we have someone in a nursing home in Wisconsin, and some of you have work situations and family situations and health situations and, and grace for all of that. But if you knew that you were building material, if you knew that, if you got a hold of these scriptures, what might change in your life? What might change? If you knew that your stone was vital, that you were a part of a building for housing God's glory, what might change? If you knew that God wanted to be visible through you, that's what Paul said, you have a part that God wants to come through. You knew that God wanted to come through you in a gathering of believers. I don't think you'd be able to stay away. Like, wouldn't you wake up going, what's God going to do today at church? What's God going to do today in my small group? How is he going to show up through me? How might he want to use me in a way to bring him glory? I don't think we could stay away. And I don't think we would settle for YouTube church. I don't. I don't think that we would settle for, okay, being most concerned with the communicator that engaged my mind. I don't think we'd be content to worship along at YouTube because there's a celebrity in the band. I don't think so. I don't think that our main concern would be our convenience or being able to multitask church. And that's where we've ended up, right? That's where we've ended up in some ways. Don't go to church. Build the church. Build the church. You're not a living audience. You're a valuable stone. You are a valuable stone to the structure that holds God's glory. So again, your buy-in shouldn't matter who's teaching, who's leading, the physical place necessarily, who's on the stage. Your buy-in, your buy-in shouldn't be dependent on anything that you might get out of it. So here's my clear ask. Unless you have some insurmountable reason, come and build the church. Come and build the church. Use your equipment, hospitality, prayer, healing, evangelism, whatever you know, living stone flavor that you have, whatever bit that you have been equipped with, come and build the church. They all matter. They all matter. And maybe you're wondering, where can I fit in? Week after week, we invite you to fit in. These papers sit on the back wall. We pull them out, and it just says, you matter. Your part makes us thrive. And there's a list of things that you can do to get involved. There's places, maybe you want to lead. Maybe you're like, I got leadership in me. Lead. Get people together and pray. Get people together and go on a prayer walk. Get, you know, maybe you want to uh, lead. We, we've been looking for people to lead our kids' ministry rooms. We want someone over each age group. We've been asking for people to come and lead in that way. Lead a hospitality team on a Sunday morning. Get people together from your workplace, your neighbors. Lead in Alpha. We'll equip you. We'll help you. We'll resource you. Maybe you want to lead. Maybe you have a heart for leading younger people. Come and lead a youth night. Please. We, we need you. We're desperate for you. We want to see God's glory in this place. And we need what you have. Maybe you're more of like, I just want to help. 
We have every two weeks, we have a food pantry. It's a super, super fun way to just plug in and help. You can help count the offering. You can help count heads. You can help clean, reset. I mean, there are literally hundreds of ways. Help take a meal to someone in a difficult season. Come alongside someone who's struggling. Find a leader and just say, how can I help you? How can I be a part of what you're doing? Carly and Ryan and Sarah and Wendy, they will help you find spots. There's endless ways. So don't go to church. Build the church. Build the church. God will not forsake his bride. He will not. He cannot. He won't. So I'm inviting you to bet on something that will win every time when I invite you to be a part of the church. And I can say confidently to you that I do not know what will happen in our community. I do not know who's going to be in charge of the schools. I don't know what's going to happen with the economy. I don't know what's going to happen with the government. But I know what happens with the church. It will never foreclose. It will never go bankrupt. It will never be subject to fleeting fads. Don't go to church. Build the church. And then we see what happens. We see what happens. What would come alive in our world if we followed God's designs and expectations? What glory would shake our cities if we followed God's instructions? What restoration would come to our communities if we just said, well, God, we're going to do your ways. We're going to do it according to your ways. Let's find out what happens when God's in charge around here this summer. Okay? Okay. Let's stand up. I'm going to pray over you. Jesus, we come before you as your bride, as your people. And we first and foremost recognize that the church is yours. Kevin and I love to say that when things are going hard, when, when things are hard. When things are going well, Kevin and I are like, woo, woo, we're, we're great. And when things are going hard, Jesus is your church, right? But here we are, so confident in every season, it's yours. are the head you've been appointed the head and we recognize your appointment this morning Jesus and we come with with a little bit of awe and fear and trembling in our hearts going Jesus you love the church you love the church you value the church you gave up your life for her and so where we've been critical and opinionated and stubborn, we just come and repent this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm repenting this morning for what I've made it. Always lay it all before you again, Jesus, and say, teach our hearts to cherish what you cherish. Teach us to invest our interest in the church according to the way you're interested in the church. Give us your heart right now. we just come as living stones and you know that our heart's desire is for you to come and fill your temple to let your glory come and fill your temple this is a place for your presence to dwell and so we just bring our living stones we bring our lives the equipment you've given us and just say God we just want to build what you're what you're building we want to be a part of what you're doing and 
humility, we just hand this thing over to you as a church. Humility, we just say, we look forward to what awesome looks like in our body. You get to say. whatever is there. I had this thought that um, that we may carry sort of a um, kind of a co-pilot scenario in our hearts that we simultaneously believe that the church is for God and it's also for us. the church is to honor the Lord but it's also to serve us and somehow Jesus says just seek the kingdom and everything else will be added and so Lord where where we have gotten up on the throne where we've made um, church about us in any ungodly way where we've usurped your position as the central figure. We repent of that. And we place you solely on the throne of this place. And I do pray that awe would be restored to the church. Yeah. For your glory. That we would see this thing. We we can see our little expression of the church with such natural eyes, but we pray, Lord, that we would see this through the eyes of Jesus, who sees a bride, his very own bride. And I pray for awe to fall upon us. And church, I have um, mostly done well, but I've gone through some seasons where I've allowed myself to speak criticism of the wider church. I would look at a church expression, a particular movement, a particular church, and I would give myself freedom to speak critically of that church sometimes and pridefully of this expression. And um, and I repent of that. And that is something that I dislike vehemently in my own heart. And if any of you would join me in that, if you've found yourself being critical of the wider church, I would just encourage you to repent of that before the Lord right now. just shake off I just see like stuff just coming off of us just junk old things that don't belong where we shake off all that old ungodly stuff those ungodly ways of thinking and we just thank you that we are made new every day your mercy is new every morning so 
so we bless who you are and we bless what you've called us into, what you've invited us into, to be a part of your church. We're honored in this. We're blessed that we get to be a part of what you're doing in the world. Blessed that we get to be a, a people, a person that gets to build your church. It's the most amazing thing, Lord. We're honored in that.